Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. And Jehovah said, My spirit shall not always plead with man, for he indeed is flesh, but his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. In those days were the giants on the earth, and also afterwards when the sons of God had come into the daughters of men, and they had borne children to them, these were the heroes who were old, were men of renown. And Jehovah saw the wickedness, saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart only evil continually. And Jehovah repented that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And Jehovah said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the earth, from man to cattle to creeping things, and to fowl of the heavens, and I, for I repent that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of Jehovah. This is the history of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect <coughs> among his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was full of violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its way on the earth. And I'd like to read from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 1, and that's on page 838. Isaiah 1, and I'd like to read from verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith Jehovah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing, and hearken, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of Jehovah has spoken. Then in the New Testament, in the second epistle to Timothy, this is on page 1439, second epistle to Timothy in chapter 1, and just one short verse there. Verse halfway through verse ten. Two Timothy chapter one verse ten. Our Saviour Jesus Christ, who has annulled death and brought to light life and incorruptibility by the glad tidings. And finally, in the book Epistle to the Romans, in chapter ten. And that's on page 1361. Romans chapter 10. And I want to read from verse 8. The word is near thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God has raised him from them among the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart is believed to righteousness, and with the mouth confession made to salvation. <clears throat> we sang in our hymn at the outset that God waits in grace with hands outstretched to bless. <clears throat> We've read of a time when Noah was on the earth, just before the flood, that God, it says, my spirit shall not always plead with men. God was giving warning that he was going to judge the earth with a flood. 
We know that God is one day going to judge this world, this earth in which we are. He says he's going to judge it by the man who he has appointed. It's revealed in the scripture, it says, there's revealed wrath of God from heaven upon all unrighteousness. We look around at the world today and we may be distressed, as many are, about what is happening. Think of the terrible conditions that are existing in the world. But you know, it's, in one sense, it's nothing new. We read of Noah's time, where we read in Genesis chapter 6 of what God saw when he looked upon the earth. It says that Jehovah uh, saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart only evil continually. We bring it up to date to 2024. It's exactly the same thing, isn't it? And God had said at this time that he was going to judge the world by a flood. And he gave warning, 120 years of warning of when that flood was going to take place. It would seem, well it's obvious that most people took no notice of what God said. They had their busy lives to go on with. The scripture tells us in, the Lord Jesus tells us in the Gospels that they went on their ordinary life. They were marrying and giving in marriage and they continued their life and worked to work and enjoyed themselves and didn't take any heed to what God was saying. Apart from one man and his family and that is Noah. Noah was a just man. And he listened to what God had to say. In the gospel, God is waiting in grace that you may hear what he has to say. You won't hear this from the great political theatres of the world. They're all trying to supposedly bring improvement to this world, to change things, to make a better world where we can live in. But we can see, can't we, that from all their efforts, all the efforts and promises of the politicians, they are to avail they cannot change things. They cannot alter things. They cannot make the world a better place. But you know, as I said earlier, God is going to judge this world. He's going to bring judgment upon it. But in the meantime, he's waiting in grace because he wants you, dear friend, to listen to what he has to say. He looked around. All the earth is full of violence. And he says it, has, it was corrupt. All flesh has corrupted its way on the earth. You know, we have to start looking at ourselves, don't we? To realise what we are before God. There's nobody here who's better than anybody else. In the eyes of God, we're all the same. It says in the Bible that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that includes me and it includes you. The preacher is no better than anybody else in this room. The only thing I can say is that I have repented of my sins and I've turned to the Lord Jesus and asked him to save me from them. And that's what God's wanting and waiting for you to do tonight. He wants to hear what you have to say. And that's why I read in Isaiah, because what a reasonable God is. Come, he says, come, let us reason together. He wants to talk to you, he wants to speak to you about your life, about your sinful history. He wants you to come around to his way of thinking. He's not wanting to judge you. The scripture tells us that judgment is God's strange work. But it's something that has to be done if he is to be a righteous God. He has to judge evil and he has to condemn it. But he doesn't want to condemn you. God desires that all men should be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. He doesn't like the evil. He doesn't like the corruption. This has come in through Satan. It says, by one man, sin entered into the world and by sin, death. How did sin enter into the world? If you read in the beginning of the Bible, a few chapters before where we read in Genesis, 
it tells us that Adam and Eve, they listened to the voice of the, of the serpent, of the devil. And they listened to him rather than, to, than God. And they did what God had forbidden them to do. And you know, that's just like us all. We, we've all done things that we want to do, we, that God tells us not to do. It says sin is lawlessness. That's its definition. So it's lawless against God. But, but uh, we have all gone the same way. We're all in the sight of God on the same level. In society, there's different levels, different classes of men. But with God, there's one. We're all the same. All have sinned and come short. There's none, none good. There's none better than anybody else. Despite people trying to live good lives, the underlying issue has to be resolved, and that is in relation to our sins. But God, as I said in Isaiah, He says, "Come now, let us reason together." He says, "Though your sins be scarlet, they shall be as white as snow; though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool." Well, you say, well, how can that possibly be? How can my sinful history, how can my, all that I've done, how can that be put right? How can God forgive me? How can that possibly erase all my, all my bad, the bad things I've done in my life? I mean, you might decide from today onwards that you're going to live a good life and try and make up for all that you've done bad. But even if you did that, you can't put right what you did wrong yesterday. You have to rely on what God says. And God has provided the answer. He could tell them, that this is, though they be scarlet, they could be white as snow, because God had the answer. And God has the answer today, my friend. He has the answer in the Lord Jesus Christ, his own beloved son. God has seen the condition of mankind. He has tried man in every circumstance. People said, if only I had been born into a better circumstance of my life, it wouldn't have been so bad. But you know, you could be born in a palace, in the richest palace, greatest palace in the land. And yet you'll still find that you're a sinner. And so God realises that. He knows your need and he's provided the answer. And the answer is to be found in the Lord Jesus. The one who we spoke of in, in we read of in, in Timothy. It says there that uh, our Saviour Jesus Christ. He is the Saviour. He is the one that we're here to talk about tonight. I'm not here to talk about myself, about my life and anything. It would bore you to tears. But I can speak to you about Jesus, about the greatness of this blessed person, the one who God has sent from heaven, his own son. You know, the gospel comes to us freely, but it's not been without cost, because God has given his son. He sent his son here to die, to be a sacrifice. That's what we preach about. We preach about Christ Jesus and him crucified. You might not have heard much about Jesus, but I could, you might have heard maybe a little bit about him coming into the world at Christmas, when people speak about the birth of Jesus. But you know, he was born into this world to die. He came here to go to the cross. Every day of his life as a man here, he knew that he had to go to Calvary's cross, where he would have to suffer and die. That he might be a substitute for you. That he might take your burdens and my burdens upon himself. It was Jesus that came here to do that. He knew from the minute he stepped on this earth that that was his mission. That he might become a saviour. So unto you is born a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Oh, it's wonderful that today there is hope for mankind. There's hope for everybody in this world today because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And Jesus is available to you today. All he's wanting you to do is to call upon him. And you know, in a preaching, an occasion like this, the Lord Jesus is very near. He's very near to you. All he asks you to do is to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in him. And so I read there about our Saviour Jesus Christ who is an old death. You know, the greatest fear 
to man known, isn't it? It's death. It says in the scriptures it's the king of terrors. And a few years ago when the COVID virus struck, suddenly everybody was very frightened. Frightened to death, we might say, because of this virus that was no control and it was a killer. And suddenly people realised the frailty and fragility of human life and how how frail our lives are. You know, we are, the scripture says we are, but there is a, but a step between me and death. We don't realise how near we are to that moment. But you know, God doesn't want you to come into death. He wants you to prepare for that matter of death. He wants you to face up to it and realise that the Lord Jesus is the one that can save you from your sins. And not only save you from your sins, but give you eternal life and give you and give you hope. We're living in a very hopeless world today. But a lot of people are despairing, but the gospel doesn't make us despair. It makes us hope because we know a Saviour who's been here, who suffered on the cross. And I have to tell you about what happened on the cross because that is the kernel of the gospel where Jesus was hung on that cross, made there a victim, put there by wicked hands, but there he hung there voluntarily in his love for you and for me that he might become the substitute for you. He might die that you might live. It says he has annulled death and by the dying of Jesus he has abolished the power of death because it says who, who is it that has the power of death? It was Satan that had that power. But the Lord Jesus, because he has died, has defeated Satan and his power. And now, my friend, he is the one who went into death. He rose again from the death, from the dead, and he lives evermore. He's overcome it. That great power that none of us can stop. None of us have any power to stop it. But Jesus has done that. He's been into death and come out again. And he's risen and he's ascended. And he's waiting to bless you, to save you. But all you have to do is to believe, to confess your sins to him and ask him to be your saviour. And so it says he's brought to life an incorruptibility. So what is life? What is life according to God? It's something beyond death. It's something which is incorruptible. We read in Genesis of how everything had become corrupt. But you know, what God brings in through Jesus is a life which is incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted because it is eternal and it's lasting and it's beyond the power of death. My friend, the bad tidings is your salvation, your conversion is only the beginning. What God has in mind for you is wonderful blessings. We sung of them in that hymn. God's secret things long treasured up in Christ are shown. Peace, sonship, joy, the Holy Spirit given. There are blessings attached to the gospel. Blessings that this world cannot give you. But God can give you in Christ. And I plead with you to turn to God tonight. And turn to Jesus and ask him to be your saviour. That these blessings might be yours. You say, well, if I become a Christian, what does that mean? Does it mean a bed of roses? No, it doesn't. Does it mean an easy life? No, it doesn't. But what it means, you have a saviour. You have a Lord. You have someone to help you through this life. And you also have an eternal living hope. And that can be found in Jesus tonight. And you can have a life that you have, you have something which death, nothing here, nothing Satan, nothing can take from you. Have treasure in heaven. The Lord Jesus said that when he said, have treasure in heaven where Moth cannot destroy it or touch it. Where it can't be affected by things here. You can have eternal life as a result of trusting in Jesus. And God wants you to have that. The devil would be at you tonight saying, don't listen to him. It's nonsense. I've got better things in this world in store for you. But everything here comes to an end at the point of death. What God has, when we come to death, we go into the presence of the Lord Jesus. Where we shall be ever with him. And we shall enjoy his presence. And that's what God is offering in the glad times to you tonight. And so I finally read in Romans, because you might say, well, how can we have this? How can it possibly be mine? And so he says, the word is near thee in thy mouth, in the heart, the word of faith, 
which we preach. I'm preaching in faith to you tonight that you're going to respond in faith to God's invitation. I can't make you do it. It has to be your, your matter between you and God. You have to confess of your sins. So it says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord. That's the first thing. Confess Jesus as Lord. Lord of all. And, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Now how simple is that? All God is asking you to do is to believe. That's all I'm asking you to do. Believe tonight and you shall be saved. And you know, have this joy and this peace. And it's yours available. And it's up to you my friend. I'm not saying take it or leave it. Because that's not what we preach. You have to take it. There is no other way. There is no other salvation. No other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved. You can't just have a whole host of religions before you. Say I'm going to have that one. Because they're all, man's religions are all false. What God is saying, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the love, the life. Whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. What a saviour Jesus is. He's my saviour. I want him to be your saviour. I want you to know this peace in your heart. To know that your sins are forgiven. And that you have an eternal hope and future. Well, it's yours there. I present it to you for your acceptance of faith. As I said, I cannot make you bow the knee to Jesus. But one thing's for certain, one day everybody is going to bow the knee to Jesus. The Bible tells us all are going to own Jesus as Lord and confess him Lord to God the Father's glory. What a moment that will be, won't it? You think of the vaunt, the pride of man and his vauntings at the present time and his boasting and his arrogance. But everyone is going to confess Jesus as Lord. May you do it tonight in simple faith and know the peace and joy there is to be found through him. For his name's sake. Amen. I'd like to close by singing another hymn. And that's number 217. Why I'm believing...